friends. Welcome to another episode of the Frankie 411 podcast. I am so excited. I have my first guest today for an interview. I am talking with Tina Irwin of ghosthelpers.com. Tina has an extensive amount of knowledge and experience in the realm of the spiritual world. And I am so excited and so thrilled that she was willing to be my first guest. She has an amazing amount of content, books that she has written on her website, ghosthelpers.com. I do hope everyone will enjoy listening to this interview because it was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed myself. So let's tune in and listen to our interview with Tina Irwin from ghosthelpers.com. All right. Thank you, everyone, very much for tuning in. Today, we have Tina Irwin here with us to talk to us about her website, Ghost Helpers, and the various services she has available. Tina, thank you so much for coming on and being on this podcast with me. I really appreciate it. I am so thrilled to be here. You have no idea. I look forward to this. So thank you. I'm just I'm so happy you're willing to talk with me. So can you give us a brief introduction of yourself and what it is you do with Ghost Helpers and just a little bit of kind of how you got started? I spent 20 years in the Navy. I retired at the commander level. Oh, wow. And all while I always knew I had some psychic ability. I mean, we're all psychic. You can't drive a car and not sense the guy next to you or the person in front of you, or if you're a parent, sense your children or your pet. So all of that is that other sense that you depend on every day. Mm -hmm. But for some of us, it goes a little farther. And as time went on, the things that I could do began to develop more and more and more. We, my husband and I lived in Italy for three years. And when we moved back to the United States, we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and everything in Charleston is haunted. Everything. <laughs> of course. You just have all kinds of things to, to sense well, things I off mean, of. You have to figure you have the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812 and the Civil War. And then you have all of the different plantations and the deaths and the things that happened there. So it's a pretty good bet. And some of these houses are two, you know, 250 years old. A lot of energy attached to those sites. But my house was 18 months old. And it was so profoundly haunted. Really? Yes. And I learned about predecessor energy. And I think everyone would benefit from understanding this term predecessor energy. I was going to say that that is a new term for me. So do explain. I didn't understand that a brand new house could be profoundly haunted. And I since learned, because I study everything I can get my hands on, Mm -hmm. that a person, that a location can be haunted, even if the old buildings are are torn down and it's just leveled. The energy in the location exists in that stack of time. Right of time. What a concept. So it's it's not the the brick and mortar is not necessarily what is holding it. It's the energy that's in that that time space sort of. That's exactly right. And when and when you can wrap your brain around that, you think, well, okay, maybe it could be. Well, apparently this was the site of the old Archdale plantation that went all the way back to the 1600s. Oh, and it was a rice plantation. And what happened was they had 
you know, it's the 1600s. They had slaves Mm -hmm. and they had foremen. And we think one of the foremen uh, was haunting us. And he and this is the thing to understand about ghosts. Not all ghosts are the same. He was a ghost from the 1600s who knew he was actively haunting us. But you can have a ghost from the 16, 17, 1800s who's haunting a location and has no idea that they're dead and that they're haunting it. Okay. So not every ghost is the same. And that's something that I do find very interesting. And and not to interrupt, not to interrupt you. I, I do love this information, but I, I wonder if you could talk maybe just a little bit um more about that since this is kind of your wheelhouse the um that not every ghost energy or entity is sentient in the way that that we are necessarily but so you had a a, an entity that was aware of what it was doing to you but that's not always the case that's true this particular ghost would he um I had a Datsun 810 wagon. This was in the this was in the 70s. Okay. Late 70s. And one morning I got in to drive my car and it just wouldn't start. And I I so I drove my husband's car. My husband was at sea. So when I get home from work, I had my car towed to my mechanic in Somerville, South Carolina. And he gets in the car, and we've all had this happen, you know. He gets in the car, it starts right up, perfect. It's like <laughs> nothing's oh wrong. Oh my gosh. I did not imagine this. He said, yes. But if you had driven the car, the belt blew and you would have destroyed your engine and you could have been in a deadly wreck. Oh, wow. So I don't know why if it had started, it could have been a very serious situation. And I knew and we named the ghost Jake. (laughs) I knew that Jake saved us. That's that is. You know, it, it's kind of the opposite of the sort of ghost stories that you tend to hear on television or the, the kind of um, interactions that you're used to hearing that they're all horrible and scary. But, you know, that's that is really amazing that that some an, an intervention that was beneficial, an interaction that was that you you could very could very well have saved your life. Oh, but wait, there's so much it gets more. better. Oh, OK. <laughs> better. I'm so excited. <laughs> I wrote three books called Ghost Stories from the Ghost's Point of View. They're available on Amazon. Okay, we'll definitely put the links in the descriptions for those. And this ghost story about the house on Botany Bay was, it's the very first story in book one. Okay. And one night, one morning we thought we, you know, we were going to be late. We didn't realize we were late for work. So he knocked on the headboard above us. And he woke us up and my husband was actually home and heard that. Nice little wake up call. It was a wake up call. Another time he's running down the hall and there's nothing there. And then there's this other time. My husband was not at sea. He was on a missile submarine. And, you know, it's the middle of the night and I feel someone get in bed with me on the wrong side of the bed. And then slip his hand in my hand. And I knew this was the ghost. A little sweet, but also a little spooky, a little creepy. It didn't feel sweet to me. It felt terrifying. Oh, sure. And that's the only word I can use. Oh, my God. There's a ghost next to me. And I can feel the coldness of this essence. I didn't say body, this essence. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't know where else this was going to go. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely a non. You've heard those kind of stories too on various different podcasts. You know, in interactions with ghosts that are not so comfortable. And then he lets his hand, he lets go, but very, very, very slowly. And I was frozen. I couldn't speak. I couldn't tap my husband. I couldn't say a word. I couldn't move. It's like I was paralyzed in bed. Mm -hmm. And and I'm bringing this up because I now know what to do. But, you know, in 1980, I had no idea what to do with this. Well, that's certainly there. You didn't have the Internet to go look up and looking for answers either. Well, even the Internet would have had a tough time with this. The Internet would have said, oh, burn a little sage. Sage is is worthless. Right. And tell you, you know, to, to, you know, some of it is a little bit. um, I think sometimes the answers you get from the Internet go automatically to it's some kind of an evil entity and you have to banish it and do something really drastic, you know, that it's on the side of um, feeding into the fear of the situation, the, the, the fear of the unknown of the situation. That's very true. I also felt that this ghost needed to cross over. So I contacted the Duke university school of parapsychology. They were clueless. They said, we have no idea what to do with them. We just study them. We but just study them, we but we don't know how to help you. They are, we're clueless. So don't bother us. <laughs> so we're not the ghostbusters. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And I, <laughs> And I never did. It took me years to figure it out. So how long did did you sort live and exist with this entity or energy being around you then? Almost seven years. That is a considerable chunk of time. And he was a thief. He stole a gold (laughs) bracelet, a gold coral bracelet, diamond earrings, contact lenses, my son's tennis shoes, my wallet. I mean, nothing was... Nothing was ever found. So you just, things just went missing and were just up and gone. They vanished. Okay. You put put both earrings in the solution to clean them. And when you wake up in the morning, one earring is gone. You put both contact lenses in the solution to clean them. And when you wake up in the morning, one of them is gone. So maybe a little bit of a trickster, a little bit of being a little playful, maybe, or mischievous. So we decided to do research about where we were living, which was in the old Archdale Plantation area. The entire neighborhood was haunted and all the real estate agents knew it. So this my neighbor, is just common knowledge. They just they didn't have to disclose, I suppose, at the time. They do now under South <laughs> Carolina law. You have to reveal that your house is haunted. So obviously it's a real thing. One neighbor had all of her furniture rearranged every morning when she came downstairs and she never heard a thing. She was so terrified. She moved. I would too. I mean, every morning, every morning, another man heard horses in a stable all night long. So he figured his predecessor energy was a stable. Another woman would come downstairs and she would see a rocking chair facing a blank wall, rocking and rocking. Oh, that's yeah, that's kind of classic horror movie. I I think even now a lot of people would prefer to move rather than stay in, in a location where you have activity like that on a regular basis. That's true. We just didn't have a choice in the matter. So when we finally moved, 
he didn't go with us. We moved to a place of all places in Virginia Beach called Witch Duck Point, <laughs> where they used to duck witches for witchcraft. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my. That's that house was not haunted. Thank God. But can you imagine the kind of spirits that you might have had, though? That could have been uh, some some upset energies, I would think, for what would have happened. Well, yes, there. exactly. So it, it started with the it started with Jake trying to understand, well, if I don't want him here, you can't banish a ghost. You can't order them away. You can't you can't say some magic spell. Mm -hmm. You have to do something that's far more powerful to cross them over. And if they're from a long, long time ago, you have to really go through stacks of time and and understand how to, to work with ghosts from a very long time ago. And that's why I wrote those, you know, basically 63 stories between the three books my daughters-in-law and my daughter said, you have got to tell people these stories. They're amazing. What happens when a house is haunted? And people don't know what to do. And do you, so in your experience, um, do you have to maybe sort of cater whatever energy work that you're doing to assist them to, on a case-by-case basis in some situations? You know, is is there sort of having to understand that entity and and what they might need, if that makes sense? Well, I thought that at first, but after you've moved on millions of souls, you don't have that kind of time. <laughs> you can't, can't, you don't have time for research. You got to get moving. Okay. Well, once I figured out what the process was, then the and ha I came up with something called the crossing over prayer. Right. And I saw that in your information. So this is sort of something that you use as a regular technique. Yes. And I have people who write to me from all over the world and they'll say, oh, I need you to get rid of this ghost. And I'll say, you know what? I charge for what I do. Mm -hmm. However, the crossing over prayer on ghosthelpers.com is absolutely free. Say this over and over and over and you'll feel a shift and you might find that that's all you need. I mean, if you really want to pay me, that's fine. But wouldn't it be nice if you could do this yourself? If you don't have to pay a medium to remove your ghost. And that was the whole point of the crossing okay. over prayer. You shouldn't have to use or find or figure out if you can trust a medium to cross over someone you love. When you use the crossing over prayer, you're connecting directly to God. There's no intermediary. And I have to say, you know, that is a really kind of that's very refreshing and very different because you do see a, it's difficult to to find people who aren't just out there for, to make a buck, you know, that you are in it to be helpful and you offer this to people free of charge, that prayer, that process, that it's that it's not about, you know, turning a profit for you. You're genuinely trying to help people. You know, and that's I think that's so wonderful. That's such a it, it's something that you don't always see, especially in this kind of uh, I don't know if you would call it an industry necessarily, but in the world of, of anything paranormal, supernatural, psychic, um, it, it can be very difficult to find the people who are who are true and honest like you. You know, that's and I think that's really wonderful that you offer that available to, to people for free. Well, thank you for saying that. And it's not just the crossing over prayer on that website that's for free. 
There's a video on what happens when I die. That's a complete explanation. There's a, there are crossing over the compassion prayer for suicide. If someone has taken their life, what prayer do you say? That is um, something that is such a difficult thing. I mean, grief in general, when you lose someone is difficult, but, but that I, I have had several suicide situations in my own family personally. And I know it's sort of, it, there's a certain stigma to it that you don't want to talk about it, at least in this sort of uh, conservative type area that, that I'm from. So that is, you know, again, wonderful that you offer those things because some of it to some degree, I think is helpful for people in terms of, of a grieving process and being a bit more, I don't know if comfortable with death is the right way to say it, but I do think that we as humans in our, in our consciousness, we have such a a discomfort with death, even though it's we're, we all are going to die. It's going to happen. Right. And so I do think that's great that you offer those things, you know, the, what happens when you die and explanations that might help people not be so afraid of our own mortality, which is something that is inevitable. I wrote the, the Lightworkers Guide to Healing Grief, which addresses death squarely. The Crossing Over Prayer book actually has 88 prayers that help the living and the dead from, you know, crossing over someone who's murdered to crossing over the murderers to what do you say after someone's committed suicide? Can How can you continue to help? It's mm-hmm. People wrote to me, alcohol, drug addiction, mass casualty. There's people say, oh, I'll, I'll say a prayer. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. If you're uncomfortable talking to God, this is a good pathway and it's an audio book. If you're too distraught to say it yourself, just play it on the audio book. Just listen. That will just, you just have to play it and listen. And let me tell you how powerful it is to help someone who's taken their own life find the light. When you have an individual who's taken their own life, they're always sorry. They're so, they can't believe it's not any better than when they were a physical body. Mm-hmm. And so they hang around the living. That's why some people think suicide is contagious because there's a resonance issue. Sure. And so a lot of, so there was a, a client who had, she was she was suicidal herself. So she, she was from South Africa. She reached out and we got some help. And so- she was able to use the compassion prayer for suicide over and over and over. She had 17 family members take their own lives. Oh, that is. And as soon as all 17 were crossed over, it's like the light came on in her life. It was so astounding. She opened a business. She got married. Oh, amazing. She depressed anymore because she couldn't differentiate her feelings from their feelings, the energy from them. Sure. Exactly. And if it's your family, you do have a, you know, a deeper connection. And, and we are, I do absolutely believe that, you know, we are all psychic and we've just kind of forgotten and been trained out of it to some degree. But when you have family members, there's, you know, there is something to being connected by DNA, by blood that you do have. It's like how they say, you know, depression and anxiety are, are, hereditary like there is something to that energy that you're attached to some of those things and 17 people that is 
I mean, so tragic, but it, it does say, well, obviously there's some kind of heavy, painful energy attached to that family. And what a wonderful thing that she was able to heal that and heal herself. And, you know, it's a sort of a trending thing I know on social media and what have you to talk about breaking generational curses. But I mean, what a hell of a generational curse to break that kind of that well, sort of it, heavy energy. Thank you. That is exactly I I, I try to, to steer away from the word curse only because people feel they're doomed with the word. Sure. Think about it. She reached out and asked for help. And when she asked, it was offered in a kind way to her relatives without judgment, Mm -hmm. without prejudice. It's not up to us to judge. And I've crossed over some pretty, pretty horrific souls, really, really bad people. And And they didn't understand why I would help them. And it's like, dude, you're not mine to judge. Thank goodness. (laughs) <laughs> right. That's, it's good that it's not up to us. And, exactly. You know, I do think that that is something very important because it's it, again, there is, you know, there's a certain I think I don't know if stigma is the right word, but we do get sort of caught up in the idea, you know, like steering away from the word curse. We get caught up in the idea of people being completely irredeemable and or feeling that we ourselves are irredeemable or or unlovable when, you know, really, truly, um, and it's something I believe, you know, call it God, call it source, call it the universe, however it resonates with you, you are unconditionally loved, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been. And so even if someone has done something horrible, and I do think it's wonderful you do this work to say, you know what, you still deserve to cross over and, and to move forward and to move on. Because we we at our core, we're all made, we're all connected, right? We're all made of the same stuff. And so we all deserve love and we all deserve to be freed of those heavy energies that, that we may have gotten trapped in that we didn't intend to be. I think that's absolutely true. And I grew up in North Carolina. It's a fabulous mm-hmm. state. I love it. But when I grew up, there was a there was a feeling, well, I mean. A lot of churches said that you were born in sin and you died in sin. Mm-hmm. And when I'm encountering ghosts, I mean, some of these are the sweetest, most loving people and they're ghosts. And I said, did you see the light when it came for you? And I can remember this one, you know, grandma, sweetest person. Everybody adored her. And she said, I did. And I said, well, sweetie, why didn't you cross over? And she said, well, my pastor told me I was born in sin. And I died and I'm going to die in sin and that God couldn't possibly love a sinner. We're all sinners. So why would why would God want me? That's so sad. But isn't that so true? So many people, you know, believe that they're so unlovable and so unworthy because they were told, you know, and I think I really do. I think it's wonderful that you that you give the same love and compassion regardless of of what the entity might be associated with in the in their human physical life because it, it you never know where that unworthy feeling might have come from in them that would have caused them to to be or to do whatever they did and again you know everyone is deserving of love and i do i think that's really wonderful that you can help people like that because i think that's something that 
is pretty common in our society. The, the idea that you're just inherently bad somehow, right? That we never, or you're never going to be good enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're never good enough. And, and I see this when you see Christ on the cross, you know, and it's, it is the largest, I'm going to have, I know people will be upset with this, but it's the largest tool of black magic because it perpetuates the torture of a great master of a great being. I've been all over the world and I was in caves in Italy where the original Christians hid from the Romans Mm -hmm. and in churches in Siena and the depictions of Christ every time He's whole and perfect, and his arms are out welcoming everyone. Right. There is no torture. There is right. Christ's message was joy. It was not right. sin. It was not torture. It was so love. Take Christ off the cross. Put that being in your heart and remember your goodness. There is no learning in perfection. If every one of us were perfect. We would not be here. We would no, need, absolutely. We wouldn't need a mortal experience. Right. You're here to expand and to learn and, and to be imperfect is how you do that. It's how, you know, making mistakes is how you learn. It's like they say. And I do think that's very true. I, and I understand, yeah, some people might be upset by that. But the image of, of a crucifix, I you know. It's always been really hard for me. It's uh, it, it does seem like a guilt trip. Like this person was tortured to save you. And, you know, it's your fault. Somehow, right. It's, your fault. it's very blameful. It's very, and, and it's, exactly. I, I do agree with that. I don't think it's helpful. It's, I think, a big reason. I'm not personally religious in the sense of Christianity or picking a religion, but uh, definitely, you know, again, spiritual, more, more in the sense of God is, is every single one of us. We are all a part of source, we are all a part of all that is we are all love at our core. And I do, I agree with that, that it's, you know, take, take the love and the goodness. Don't, don't take the, the, the look of a a torment and torture that somehow that's what this physical existence is supposed to be. It isn't, it's supposed to be joyful. It is supposed to be joyful. And I think that when you think about some things most people don't cross over they come back life after life after life after life Mm -hmm. and sort of repeating it until you get it right kind of or not 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 right but until you've sort of woken up to that to the understanding of of the love and the joyful part exactly and if you Go to the 23rd Psalm. Okay. Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, there can be some really dark things in the fourth dimension. We live in the third dimension. Mm-hmm. But eventually the, the Psalm goes on, he restoreth my soul. If you don't cross over, how is your soul ever restored? Because the light of the divine heals you in Mm -hmm. ways you didn't know you needed to be healed. Right. And when you cross over someone who's done terrible things or who feels darkness has just clouded them Mm -hmm. and a a person is hideously depressed and they don't even know why. Yeah. And that's, you 
you pull that darkness away and you give them light. It's it's one of the greatest gifts you can give another soul is the light of the divine. And it's so easy. I love that. And I so I wonder if you can talk a little bit. So I know that you do this with with um, spirits and ghosts, but I know that you also have in your information on your website and, and your um, various information, your books also this idea of giving that same light to the living or, or to yourself. So uh, I do think that's a big, again, you know, we, we do live in a society that is rife with depression and anxiety and people who are suffering from a darkness, like you said, that they don't necessarily understand. Like, and it might not even be something from this life, you know, it could be a different incarnation, you know, past life regression, I know is another thing that you have that you talk about. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and what methods do you use and what sort of information you have available for, for the living and for people who are looking for that light and are maybe struggling to find it? Yes, I would be happy to. I help people who have unusual spiritual problems. If a person has felt alienated from what I call organized religion, then there is a separation. And you have an awful lot of people who were abused, sexually Mm -hmm. abused, spiritually abused. And what happens is that abuse damages a person's root chakra. Okay. Don't ever ever let somebody open your chakras ever okay can you ex- explain that a little bit cuz i know that that's something that again is um sort of big in the spiritual world um you know chakra cleansing aligning your chakras meditations don't, don't for let, those sort of things don't let anybody do that and here's why a chakra chakra is a sanskrit word for wheel mhm And there are blades in the wheel. And if you were to think of those blades like the petals of a rose. And the root, when you when you come in, you come in with the karma from previous lives. Mm -hmm. Well, Let's say that everything is about as innocent as you can get, you know, in the early years of life. Well, every one of those chakras is like a rosebud. If you think about a rosebud with the tight parts of the green around it, you can't see what color it is. Mm -hmm. For that rosebud to blossom, it's the right time and warmth and moisture and temperature. It has its own intelligence of of, and timing of how to do it and when to do it. And when someone's, and there are a lot of people who have an ego that says, I can open your chakra. Oh, I can open your third eye. Oh my God. Among the worst things you can do. Okay. Because if you artificially peel back the sides of the rosebud, what you're doing is you are damaging the rose forever. You can't Mm -hmm. put that rose back. It will never flower correctly. And that's what happens with sexual abuse. Interesting. That's why the trauma of a sexually abused person be fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, uterine cancer, um, ovarian cancer, testicular cancer, mm-hmm. start what a per or all of those cancers, all of those problems. If they were sexually abused, those are the follow on 
things that can can happen to them. Make it when you work with that person to heal as much of that as humanly possible, then you give that person an assist. Mm-hmm. Does it mean I make their chakras perfect? I give chakras some healing, but I don't ever open someone's chakra. And and one of the worst is to open somebody's heart chakra or their their third eye or their crown. Any chakra should not it, do not let anybody ever 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 open it. One man let a psychic open his third eye so he could be more psychic because mm-hmm. she told him he was a great healer from Atlantis, which is the same crap they tell everybody. Again, you know, that's where it becomes, it's difficult because, you know, how do you know who, and, and I think, you know, for me personally, the thing that, that I think all the time is that it's sort of like everyone has to have, for lack of a better way to say it, everyone has to have their own come to Jesus moment. There is a timing, there is a, there is a, a natural intelligence to everyone, whatever their core center of their, their being is. And you can't force them to, to mature. If you want to say it that way, you, they have to real, people have to realize things on their own, in their own ways, by their own processes, you know, and if they ask for help, yes, you can give them help, but you can't ever force someone to, to, to realize something or to, to shift something. It's something that you internally have to be willing to do. Yes, you can ask for help, but you know, you have to be willing to, to be in that process yourself internally. And so it's, it's like you say, artificially trying to do that. It, it doesn't flow with the timing and the natural internal processes of that person in terms of their energy or, or their core being. That's very true. And this particular individual, the psych, I don't know what, I don't know what she did to him, but once his third eye was opened, he couldn't believe the horrors that he saw. I mean, there's a lot goes on in the fourth dimension, the ether that, that Mm -hmm. either you are at a maturity level that you can handle or you've studied, right? It's not for the faint hearted. And he, he nearly lost his mind. He nearly lost his life. He was so terrified. Just and not ready for, for those things. He was not ready for that. And mm-hmm. you can't decide, gee, I think I'll be psychic today and let somebody open <laughs> I your think third I'll just, eye. You know, just wake up today and I'll do it. Well, it's like saying, I think I'm going to be a pilot and drive a 747. Gee, I don't think so. No, yeah, there's a process to that. There's a learning that you have to go through. And that, you know, that's that, interesting. That's, yeah, you have to blossom in your own time, which is exactly what you're saying. Yes. And so I I think that's interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with. um, So what popped into mind for me is um, I know that, you know, the probably I think during the 70s is when it was being done, the CIA remote viewing processes. And they talk about being done. Right. That they're still doing it. But at the time, um, I, you know, and various rabbit holes that I've gone down, they do talk about how some people really did lose their mind because they were essentially forcing this sort of psychic ability or, or training them very rigorously into these psychic abilities to, to a degree that these people were not prepared for in themselves. And there were people who were, who, who were losing their mind over it, who were becoming very disturbed over it because they just weren't prepared for the other things that, that come along with, opening yourself to that kind of psychic process. So it is, you know, that is um, 
as much as, you know, maybe you watch movies or TV or what have you, and it might be exciting to think, oh, I'm being a psychic or uh, seeing things in, in another dimension or, or seeing different levels of reality, you do have to be prepared within yourself for that, or it can be more than you can deal with. It can be too overwhelming for your human ego self, wherever it is in the, in your journey. And that's why you have to be careful. If you go to a psychic workshop and someone says, I'm going to teach you to be psychic, but they never teach you protection. How do you protect Mm -hmm. yourself in the ether? And what does it take? They don't explain vibration. They don't explain the karma of what you're doing. Okay. How that karma comes back to you. I have two books out. I have three books out on karma. And the, the point here is that I do remote viewing. I stumbled on it. It it was shown to me. It was an accident. And somebody really? decided I was ready. Yeah, it was an accident. Or maybe it was a it was supposed to be the timing was right. Maybe that's a better way to say it. And it was so exhausting to do it. And then I had to learn what's the spiritual law that's attached to remote viewing. There's so okay. many laws that are attached to that. Uh, I had people call me up and say, listen, my neighbor owes me money. I want you to remote view him and go into his brain and force him to pay me. No, no, no. Boundaries, people. Boundaries. Oh, my gosh. No. I want you to teach me remote viewing. I can make so much money doing healing. It's like that, you know, so that (laughs) is. But that's part of that process of if you are not in a in in a pure place, I I don't know, maybe not the best way to say it necessarily. But if you're if you're not coming from a place of love when you're looking into doing these things, if you're coming from a place of, you know, again, I want to make a quick buck or I want to manipulate this or that situation to my benefit, it's, you know, if you are going to try to do that, it is going to hurt you because again, we are all connected. So when you put that kind of energy out towards someone else, oh, I want to manipulate that person into paying me back, that's going to hurt you somehow that because you're sending out that kind of energy to somebody else. That's, you know, the entirety of our existence is a mirror That's you get, you get what you put out, what you put out comes back to you. That's exactly right. It's, it's the, it's the pebble in the pond. Mm-hmm. When you drop something, it sends out all of these beautiful ripples. Well, sometimes you drop a pebble and sometimes you drop a freaking boulder. Mm-hmm. And what comes back to you isn't what you think it was. And for the the man whose third eye was opened, he it was horrible. And <clears throat> you keep talking about we're all connected. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the science behind that statement. Yes, let's do. Because one of my trademarks is <clears throat> explaining the physics of metaphysics. Okay. Metaphysics is 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 beyond the physics you think you know. We, if you, we have all heard of string theory and quantum yes. entanglement. Yes, they are now beginning to understand that both of those relate directly to the quote, "We're all connected." Right. This this also goes back to one of the original twelve tribes, which were the original Hawaiian people, which was the original site of Lemuria. We have everybody's okay. heard of Atlantis. Yeah, there was Lemuria. Lemuria is not talked about as often i i i because i go into those um rabbit holes myself i you know i don't want to say rabbit hole in the sense of uh 
in a bad way, but you're learning, you're learning. Right. And I'm trying to absorb all this information, but there there's, um, you kind of have to research really far to find people who talk about Lemuria, you you know, so um, I'm fascinated to hear more about it. In Lemuria, um, there's a, a wonderful author by the name of Frank Alper. So if anyone who's really interested in Lemuria, Frank Alper is the guy who talks about Lemuria. And <clears throat> he also talks about Atlantis and he talks about spiritual law although sometimes his books are hard to find. And there were certain spiritual laws written down for all Lemurians, and they created a society that stayed in balance until they went out of balance because they started to disobey the laws. And one of the laws had to do with understanding something called Aka Accords. In Hawaii, there's something called the Huna tradition. H-U-N-A, Huna. Okay. In in Huna, there is only one sin in Huna that is hurting another cell. And there, in the Huna tradition, the great kahunas, the great wise ones, believed, and I can see it, that we are all connected to something called Kino Aka substance or Aka cords. And AKA is the root word for Akashic record. Okay, sure. Yep. So looking at how this is put together, every you have what's called the thin blue Kino Aka substance that connects you to every person you've ever met, every place you've ever been, everything you've ever touched, Mm -hmm. every experience you've ever had. And as we are all globally connected in the like the five degrees of separation is nothing short of astounding. That is basic string theory. It's also quantum entanglement because we are entangled with each other through these Aka chords and our Akashic records. Beware of someone who says, oh, I can clean up your Akashic records. Don't let somebody do that to you. Well, and you know, I, so, and I'm again, you know, like you said, learning and definitely exploring these things. Um, you know, absolutely do believe that it is true that, you know, anything that that can ever happen, has ever happened, will ever happen, exists in the here and now. All possibilities are possible. It just depends on what you vibrate with. And and the idea to me of people saying, you know, that they clean up your Akash, it's like, again, it's that, that idea of, you can't have someone else be forcefully doing something for you. You have to go through your own journey and your own process. Like you said with the rose, but I love that. I love that metaphor because it is true that if you try to open a flower artificially before it's time, you're going to destroy it. It doesn't grow properly. You know, you have to allow it to happen in its own time, you know, and I do understand the, um, I mean, listen, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a fire sign. Patience is not my thing. So I understand people who might want to sort of speed a process along. But it it is true. You can't force something and have it be the beautiful flower, the beautiful thing that it was meant to be. It has its own intelligence of how it's meant to unfold. Okay, you used a really powerful word. It has its own intelligence. 
Yes. That is an extremely important statement because every chakra has a timing and intelligence of knowing when is the time for you to blossom in this way. Right. And that is that is the perfect word. That is something that I have been trying to remind myself because of where I'm at, just, you know, in my own process, trying to to sort of speak to my ego a little bit and just be like, okay, I know you want things to shift and move and and go fast. But remember that, you know, your chakras yourself has its own intelligence and knows what it's doing. Let it do what it's doing. And so do you have processes or information or techniques for, for, you know, maybe for someone like me who is in a, a space of, I really would love to, to speed up a process, but it's got its own timing. You know, do you have, can you speak to that a little bit for, for maybe people who are in that space? <clears throat> I work with parents of psychic children. That do talk about that. Yes. And, uh, I have several clients in different states with extremely psychic kids. And, you know, I've done, I work with psychic kids as young as three months. Oh, wow. I mean, and, and the mom of one of these parents right now currently is she wants to know everything she can do to raise the frequency of her house. She wants to know how to parent and what she can do and what are the tools she needs and how can she understand it? Mm-hmm. And so what we do is she comes up with an issue and then we work and work and work. We address the issue and then she goes back and she does all those things. Okay. And then she lives with them and then she comes back to me. And so she gradually takes each step. And when I work with someone. Sort of a, a process at a time or or a. A process uh, and, at a time. It, uh, I'm not sure how you would say it sort of, I mean, it's almost a lesson at a time, right? Sort of it, it's kind of like any other, any other learning process. You gotta, you gotta get to this level first before you can go to the, you know, you have to be a beginner before you can be an intermediate. Nobody is, nobody is an expert surfer. The first time they jump on a board, like you, or, there's, you know, I played seven instruments, but I was never great at any of them. <laughs> I mean, sounds, that sounds like me. I want to dabble in everything. I wanted to see what I wanted to figure out the fingering. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. Yeah. And I loved violin, but I'm not a violinist. Mm-hmm. It takes years to get to that place. And dedication and, and continued practice. Yeah. And a musician feels the music like a surfer feels the ocean. They yes. feel the sea. They feel the nature spirits. They feel all of those things. It's, it's a flow state. Yeah. And when I work with someone, we have to remove some of the spiritual baggage that come that people come into life with. Right. Okay. Before they can move forward, because because I am strictly bound by spiritual law. If I put my toe on the line, there are consequences. And if you are a psychic who knows this, the karma for you is magnified. You can't say you don't know. So what, what sort of, when you say spiritual law or, or so the, the biggest law is to essentially not harm another first, first do no harm. Mm-hmm. And there are, there's just, there's so many different ones. You can't want something for someone they don't want for themselves. You can't, want but something. that sort of goes back to do no harm. 
you know, it's, it's all do no harm. Right. And this also goes back to, I see this with people who do healing. Someone, if one more person tells me they're a master healer, <laughs> Christ was a master healer. The rest of us were working on the process. Mm -hmm. It's take a step back from your ego. That it's is a really important element. Yes. And when someone can do healing, sometimes they can do astonishing things. And sometimes, no matter how hard they work, nothing changes. And instead of railing against it, stepping back and saying, this isn't mine to heal. This person has right. to go through this and respecting the other person's process, right. even if it breaks your heart. Well, because it might be that that's the thing I think that's difficult. And again, it, because we all have to, it, it really all comes down to us on an individual level. There might be something, maybe you are dealing with an illness or, or depression or whatever it is. There may be something that you, the core you, your soul, your source being, however you want to say it, that you're supposed to be learning that you're not, you're not getting it. You're not picking it up. You're not, there's something that you're supposed to be getting from this. And again, you can't artificially fix it if you're not willing to learn from that, whatever it is you, not your ego self, right? But your spirit self is intending for you to get from it. That's very true. And you, and you have to respect someone else's wishes. And, and this, I, I bring up healing because uh, a friend of mine as a divorce attorney was dying of breast cancer. And this story is in one of the ghost books. I think it's the first ghost book. And so I get a phone call from my friend and she said, oh my gosh, my divorce attorney died and she's haunting me and she won't leave me alone. Oh, wow. At seven in the morning, she says, wake up and do something. Oh, <laughs> Hello, wake up oh. call to you. I need an immediate emergency fix. Fix, fix this. It's like, uh, okay. So I remote viewed her place and there's her divorce attorney. And she is telling my friend what a bad person she, the attorney is. And so I, I the, got the, her into. The spirit a, is, is thinking right, that of herself. Of herself. And okay. I put her in a safe safer space. And I, when I have a person who is tormented, like this woman was, mm -hmm. I bring in an angel to provide comfort. Okay. Anyone can do that. I'm not special. Anyone can humbly request the services of an angel for themselves or another person. I, I will admit to having done that myself and good for you because you help for, the for myself when I, I'm in a space of, of, I don't know who else to go to, you know? Perfect. That's just perfect. You have really good instincts. And she, she went, she was so angry because uh, a different friend brought all these healers in and they were, they were forcing healing on her. And she's furious that they did that. She felt like these women prolonged her death. Interesting. <clears throat> okay. I, Okay. Prolonged her prolonged her life when she was ready to die, and, right. and it, was a, it was a very interesting conversation. I I was so blown away by this conversation because her point was, I don't deserve to live because I successfully engineered so many divorces, and I hurt all these children. 
And, and she, so... she had a husband and children who adored her. But her guilt, it, her perception right, of herself was that is so, so, so dark. Yeah. And what uh, I, I really feel that, that because you look at it from an outside perspective and you say, OK, but if a marriage isn't working, it's better that they separate because it, it can become such a different beast, a different uh, harm to the children to be watching a relationship that doesn't work. That's not good to teach them that. But but for her to see it again, perspective is such an important thing that the perspective you have of yourself can sometimes be so sort of corrupted, you know, that it, like you say, she had a, a husband and children that adored her. You know, it, it, it's so it's such a strange human trait that we have, isn't it, that we have this tendency yes, to perceive ourselves so much worse than than other people outside of us do. And, well, and and I, I started the example because people were forcing healing on her she didn't want. And we've kind of segued into not all ghosts are the same. In this mm-hmm. case, she didn't cross over because she was convinced she was a bad person. And she deserved she to be where she job. was. Exactly. And when so, I brought so the angel sad. in, she cringes. No, I don't deserve that angel. Oh. So I brought in a child angel. And I had this child angel slip her hand into the ghost's hand. And a child angel is not as intimidating as a big seven-foot angel. Right, yeah. And she started to melt because she saw the anguish on the faces of the children, and it just didn't leave her. And And, of course, she had breast cancer, which is a sadness in the heart. Men have heart attacks. Women have breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And when I crossed her over, she still didn't, no matter what I said, she couldn't believe she was worthy. And she looked at me sadly and I, it, it helps me to know she is going to get help on the other side. And I, right. I, I asked for special assistance for her on, on her behalf. And then my, my friend said, oh my gosh, I can feel she's gone. Oh, I'm so glad you helped her. Yes. Oh, well. That is, that's amazing. And that is so incredible to, to see how those heavy, dark feelings that we put upon ourselves and the views that we put upon ourselves, how they just cling to our energy, to our essence. And the, the amount of assistance you need to be able to see yourself as worthy that you would have to, to, to cross over into the realm of non-physical of, 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 you know, complete unconditional love before you can see your own worthiness. I, I think that's such a, you know, this is another thing I talk about is sort of the, the shifting in human consciousness. I, I think it's such a big thing that humans are sort of on the brink of figuring out collectively, you know, our inherent intrinsic worthiness that, you know, if you weren't worthy, you wouldn't be here. You know, you don't, no one comes in here being unworthy. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what maybe you experience in the work that you do in terms of, so, cause you've been doing this for, for many, many years, right? Oh yeah. Very long, very long time. So can you talk a little bit about maybe this, the, the shifts that you have seen or the the growth in the collective human consciousness and in in spirit 
that because one of the things that I know is talked about in, in these sort of ener energetic vibrational realms is the idea that we are sort of upgrading, leveling up as human consciousness, right? Like that we are in this transitional space of upgrading as a collective consciousness. Do you see evidence of that? Do you see evidence of, of a collective growth of human consciousness? I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm being honest. Okay. No, I appreciate that you're honest about it. I do. I, I, I think I'm because I don't know. I don't know everything that's going on on the planet in the way that you're asking. I know other things, but not that. Okay. I know that there, there are very good people who are in a variety of difficult situations right now, and they are looking for answers. When a student is ready under spiritual law, a teacher is required to be placed right in front of them. That's right. part of the law. Okay. And <clears throat> many people are looking and they look until they get to a certain level and then they're satisfied with that level. What that what those percentages of are for all those levels would be impossible for anyone to calculate unless you're, you know, a member of the Great White Brotherhood. OK, you, so you're looking at this from a global viewpoint and I'm not I don't have I'm not privy to that information. Okay. See, and that is something that is part of my exploration a little bit is this idea of humanity as a species coming together in a more global way in our collective consciousness. And just even if it, it, obviously everything starts small, right? But even just in the sense of more people waking up to our interconnectedness, the fact that we are all connected and understanding that to have compassion for someone else is to have compassion for yourself to hurt someone else is to hurt yourself you know and which is a way that is absolutely a statement that would have come right out of huna teachings the great kahuna work okay which goes back to the original 12 tribes which goes back to the original spiritual teachings given to earth Okay. And what I will say is that there are thousands, thousands of spiritual podcasts, and I'm doing podcasts oh. all over the world. Yes. And um, there is this, my sense is there is a growing curiosity. Right. And people... The, the problem is when someone says they're psychic, you know, they think, you know, the hand in the window and the crystal ball. And right. The, you know, you look tell, like me a what the, tell me what the winning lottery numbers are. <laughs> kind of you thing. Know, and, right. And without understanding that it doesn't work that way. And one of the reasons the movie Ghost was so popular. Was because it was an accurate depiction of life after death. And it was an astonishing blockbuster. It was a really good story. It was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. And it was chillingly accurate for what happens after death. I mean, down to some of the finest details. 
they really got a lot of things right. The Sixth Sense, that was incredibly popular, low-budget film. And what you're finding is more and more people want to talk about it, but they don't necessarily want their the person in the pew next to them to know that they're interested. That There's- is so true that the yes, the curiosity is there. I find this with myself that I absolutely want to have these conversations like, I'm ha- you know, and explore this and meet more people like yourself. Uh, but but I'm finding that even when I have these conversations, I so you have feel like you have to qualify what you're saying with, you know, I know this sounds strange or this might not be mainstream or, you know, call call the things by whatever name makes sense to you. There's there's not a, a freedom and a fluidity in being able to just openly have conversations about these things, even though there's such a a thirst among people for for more knowledge and understanding and 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 the comfort that comes from from more knowledge and understanding. That's very true. I, and I I was on a plane for five hours with a scientist from some brain college in Massachusetts. I don't remember where it was. Okay. And and I was writing, you know, one of the many books I've written and he said, I'm sorry, I just I'm reading over your shoulder and can I ask you these questions? And we talked for five hours. He just he couldn't get enough. Oh, and I he's love a super, it. Super left brain scientist. And I said, dude. Right. Very rigid I, reality the structure and rules. I worked for the submarine force for 20 years. These men deliberately submerged their ship. You gotta be freaking psychic. You have to feel the ship. You have to feel your crew. You have to feel what's going on. You're still super left brain. You got to make that reactor work. You got to make right. sure that your armament's working. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I was talking to a friend who uh, was captain of a submarine that collided with a Russian submarine back in the oh, back in the early seventies. That is and, a terrifying um, story. I'm and sure. He said, "I knew something was going to happen. I knew it, and I could feel it coming." And I did. And he went down the list of everything he did to stop it. Mm-hmm. He said, I knew this was a problem and this was a problem. So I did this and I did this. I carpooled with him. And he just went on and on about how hard he worked to stop it. But he couldn't stop it. And I've talked to submariners who knew this something was coming. And they, some of them were able to do heroically amazing things the public will never know about. And that I is thought, so incredible. Lord, these men are super, super psychic. And isn't it, it amazing that that is such an incredible story? They're so very intuitive, but it's not something that is within this, you know, uh, certainly in the military and certainly at the time that I'm sure that this this happened. It, it's you can't talk about it like that because then you're going to sound like a loon, right? You know, but not, I don't want to be offensive when I say that, but, you know. He did talk about it. He did talk about it when he came. um, But in the, in the, in the moment and in the situation, you know, you couldn't be telling your men that you just have a a feeling, right? You know, there, again, you, like you say that left brain, you, you, you have to 
follow the the structure and and have reasons and 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 give the the logic of things when really you know that it's it's not necessarily logical or rational that you just you know, know that something's coming you know we should do a whole show just on premonitions i would love to i would absolutely love that let's please do i think that is because so many people have them mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with them and yes, and I think I'm going to say that blast. that's something I am experiencing. I would love to I would absolutely love to have that conversation with you because uh, and I, I know that we're we're up to an hour right now. I don't want to take up so, so much of your time. I really do appreciate I am loving this conversation, but I absolutely am currently experiencing very strange things like that where I I dream something and then I see something later and I'll be like, I dreamed I dreamed that I or like I saw you in a dream or I had a dream and I'm listening to an audiobook and it talks about something that I'm like, I dreamed about that just last night. And now I'm listening to it in an audiobook. And I it, it's true. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. What do I do with that? Ah, that would be the that is the feast for another show. <laughs> I let a. Let's absolutely, you have to come back and talk with me again, because I just, I absolutely love it. And that, I think that would be a fantastic conversation to have too, especially again, for people like me who are kind of, I'm at the beginning of this journey and, and tapping into these things. And I really don't, I don't know what to do with it. And I, I want to follow whatever it is, but I'm not, you know, it's, it's sort of driving a car at night with the headlights on. There's only so much of the road that you see ahead of you. That's a really good metaphor. That's an outstanding metaphor to use. Don't overdrive your headlights. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You know, just <laughs> this, you see as much of the road as you need to see. Tr- just trust that the road keeps going. Yes, and, and sometimes and, a deer will jump out, which is where we live, where we have a lot of deer. Oh, yeah. And you get that curveball that comes in. And right. Yes, absolutely. That is true. I would absolutely love that if if we could have another conversation sometime about premonitions and and psychic ability. I would I would really love that. Okay, that sounds like a great plan. That sounds fantastic. Again, I know we're at an hour. I I so appreciate your time, and I don't want to keep you for forever, forever. But I would love to have you come back and have conversations. Is there? I am going to share your links in the descriptions to your website and all your books and information. Is there any kind of last thoughts or um, plugs that you want to do for yourself? Anything that you might have coming up that you want people to know about? Um, <clears throat> I would like, I am encouraging people to explore ghosthelpers.com. All my books are there. There are many, many prayers, prayers for a deceased animal. Sometimes animals don't want to leave their owners. I prayers might for need a that murdered too. loved one. Yeah. You know, a crossing over prayer for animals. It makes huge difference for owners. When you cross over a soul, it is the compassion you are going to want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it opens you up to the tender mercies and the beautiful light of the divine. And it will change your life in the most beautiful and positive way. I love it. And and Haley, I cannot thank you enough for having me on your show. You're a blast to work with. I would love to come back. I so I appreciate you. You're my first interview. I'm so glad someone was willing to to be the first one. I it really it means so much to me. And I've loved this conversation. I'm so glad that you agreed to talk to me. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. 
Awesome. That was my interview with Tina Irwin from ghosthelpers.com. Thank you so much again, Tina, for being willing to be my first guest. I so, so, so enjoyed our conversation. I would absolutely love to have you come back again and dive more into all of these different subjects. I know that we only just grazed the surface of the information and experience that she has available. So grateful that she was able to come onto the podcast and have this conversation with me. If you would like to check out more information from Tina, you can find her at ghosthelpers.com. Links will be in the description. She has an amazing amount of content available for you. She has written many, many books on these subjects that you can check out. She's got some free prayers available for those of you who may be looking for a little bit of assistance in some of these realms. She's got an amazing amount of content. Do go check her out. If you'd like to support more content from me, Haley Overseth, and the Frankie 411 podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Abernathy Franklin, which is, of course, also the umbrella Patreon for my fictional podcast, The Adventures of Abernathy Franklin, which you can also find wherever you're listening to this podcast. I am eternally grateful for any little bit of support. Like, share, subscribe, comment, leave a review. And absolutely, if you join the Patreon for support, I do so love you for that. Truly, this is my passion, writing and and having these conversations about human consciousness with the wonderful people in the world who are willing to talk to me about it. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for supporting. And until next time, much love to you, my earthbound and cosmic friends. Wherever you are out there, I hope you're doing well.